I was a studious kid. I showed up on time, I did the assignments, I turned in homework, and I was always prepared. Teachers loved me. I was not a bad girl in any sense. On the other hand, I didn't do any extracurriculars, I had no school spirit, I ditched assemblies, I didn't listen to school administrators, and when they threatened to take away things like Senior Sunrise from me, I replied, so I can keep ignoring you? Another time an administrator threatened to keep me from being in the senior class photo because I was loitering outside a classroom waiting for my friend. Oh no, now I won't be photographed during the phase in my life in which the mere mention of a camera sent me away. Don't threaten me with the good time. To every teacher, I was the perfect student, ready to learn and attentive. To every administrator, I was an unpunishable slacker who tore school spirit signs and thought the leadership class was a waste of everyone's time. But I never cheated on my non-existent boyfriend, which seems to be the only prerequisite for being a bad girl in Shadyside. Also murder. This is rereading my childhood, Fear Street, the bad girl. Our high school protagonists and delinquents are Dawn and Jan. Dawn narrates the book and is cheating on her boring boyfriend. Jan has a car and likes to annoy animals. They both have an avion addiction. Avion count? One. While the girls gossip, their classmate, the teacher's pet Cindy, chides them for using the lab to ditch study hall, a class that doesn't exist. So they dump some chemicals like formaldehyde and sulfuric acid, which are just sitting around in this unattended science lab in Cindy's science project. It explodes, leaving behind a black formula with tiny golden crystals. Don and Jan swipe the formula as the science teacher, Mrs. Philbin, bursts in and asks about the smoke. Ms. Philbin reprimands the girls. In turn, the girls blame Cindy for their admonishment. Avion count, two. Later, while the class is prepping for frog dissection, Don's boring boyfriend, Clint, asks her if they're still going out and he cuts her with a scalpel. It was an accident, but Clint should probably have his sharp blade taken away if he can't control his dumb arms. However, Miss Philbin is unfazed, tells them to stop screwing around, and that they should get to slicing and dicing their froggy victims. Somebody just knifed another student and Miss Philbin is treating them as if they were drinking from the emergency eye wash station, which I regularly did in middle school. I think everyone has done this at least once. Avion count three. Back to cutting open a frog. The girls name it Spot because of its distinctive markings. Avion count, four. Then they drop a bit of the formula they made in the science lab into the frog's mouth. When they look away, the frog is gone. So they get another one and cut that one open instead. Avion count, five. Dawn's bag moves on its own. It's Spot, alive and well. Ms. Philbin orders the girls to put the frog back into the frog terranium and stop messing around. Wait a second. Ms. Philbin has a frog terranium in a classroom where students dissect frogs. That's sadistic, and Ms. Philbin is fucked up. After class, Dawn is at her locker, and her secret paramour, Will, comes up and asks when he can see her again. They flirt for a little, and then he leaves, pretending to throw an invisible football. You'll have to excuse Will. He is a frequent user of the now-defunct Yahoo Answers service. Even though she's supposed to be a bad girl, Dawn has a job at the animal shelter after school. Her boss is leaving early, so she's responsible enough to be left alone. Her behavior fails to live up to the title. She's not perfect, but I would classify her as your average teenager who hasn't outgrown her middle school obnoxiousness. The only questionable thing she does is open the door for Jan, but who hasn't wanted to have their best friend keep them company at their job? Anyway, the girls bring a dead dog back to life with the formula, 
See, it's not a no-kill animal shelter, and there's a fresh kill. The dog comes back to life, and now they have this zombie dog. They load him into Jan's car to take home until they figure out what to do with him, but there's a car trailing them. It's a girl from school, and that's her dog in the car. She thought the dog was dead. She took it to the shelter to be put down because the dog was sick, but here he is, completely healthy. She assumes the shelter didn't kill her dog. Instead, they cured him with secret special drugs, didn't tell the owners, and then sent him home with the teenager whose friend has a car. Logistics aside, the girl is ecstatic, and I'm sure there will be no repercussions whatsoever. Jan drops off Dawn, and as Dawn walks up to her porch, Clint materializes from amongst the bushes. He asks her if she went out with Will Dunmore, and she lies. I do not understand her reluctance to break up with him. She doesn't seem to like him. He wants monogamy, and she clearly doesn't. Their values don't align. Also, it's a stupid high school romance. It's not like they share an IRA. The biggest thing they share is their locker, and that could be easily rectified. The next day at school, Don and Jan discover that Spot, the frog they brought back to life and then deposited into the frog terrarium, is now twice his size and he seems to have eaten the other frogs. Also, Miss Philbin reminds the class of their field trip to Fear Lake next Saturday. It will be an ordinary field trip and nothing strange will happen, except maybe someone might be late for the bus. Wouldn't that be a wild occurrence? Can you imagine? Clint asks Dawn out to the movies to see Scream 3. I mention the movie only because the book came out before Scream 3. So is R.L. Stein psychic, or did he just guess there would be a sequel in a popular franchise? It does bother me that Stein's Scream uses Roman numerals, as if they would switch from Arabic numbers. Dawn blows off Clint in favor of going to some random other character's party. Even Cindy, the teacher's pet, makes an appearance at the party wearing some unflattering clothes that Don thinks are hilarious. However, sinister machinations set off a series of deadly events. I have to tell you a secret, Carl continued. Not only am I thrilled to be seen with a hot babe, I'm $25 richer too. He burst out laughing. His cousin slapped money into his hand. The whole room whooped. What? Cindy gasped. Her face grew even redder. Someone paid you to... To what did you think, Carl howled, that I invited you here to impress my friends? Yeah, right. I watched Cindy's face fall. Her shoulders trembled and her lips quivered as the other kids hooted and whistled. I had to look away. I felt so embarrassed for her. Carl turned and poured himself a Coke. Cindy stared at him, blinking back her tears. Then, with a cry, she ran out the front door. The door slammed hard behind her. What a loser, Eric laughed. Wow, I didn't think Carl would have the nerve to actually do it. Poor Cindy, I thought. How could those guys be so cruel? Oh, well, now you have empathy. Also, what exactly was the bet? I bet you wouldn't invite this one girl to a party that already has a lot of people. Yeah, bro, that would be a crazy thing to do. Jan and Don leave the party under the ruse of getting some more ice and chips. Unfortunately, it's raining and visibility is low. The girls hit someone. I'll give you one guess who it is. Cindy is dead. And the girls get the brilliant idea to bring her back to life with their formula. When Cindy wakes up, they tell her they have found her on the side of the road unconscious and that they have nothing to do with it and are completely innocent. Cindy appears to believe them and they drive her home, but there's a lingering doubt. After all, when Cindy woke up, she did try to strangle Dawn. After they drop her off, Dawn and Jan return to the party. They don't want to raise any suspicions. Dawn goes outside with a boy we never see again. 
As they flirt outside, Clint appears from the bushes. They get into a fight because of, you know, the cheating. First the murder, and now this. Gee, Don is having a humdinger of a weekend. The next school day, Clint is flirting with a new blonde girl. Wait, that's not a new girl. That's Cindy. She went to a hairdresser and then bought some new clothes. Clothes that fit her. Don's bad weekend is now a bad week. Avion count six. The school's dance theme is moon and stars, and for a pair of bad girls, they're very involved in school activities. They even help with decorations. While the girl's on a high ladder, someone turns off the lights and then knocks the ladder from under them. The girls hang on to the catwalk as a teacher helps them down. The bad luck continues at Jan's place, where they find her room thrashed. Just bad luck all around, I guess. The girls speculate that Cindy, the girl they ran over and brought back to life, hates them and is threatening them. They confront Cindy at school. Cindy gets mad and bends a metal bar in a U-shape like she's the Incredible Hulk. Later, Cindy is sitting with Don's Bush-born ex-boyfriend. Also, the zombie cannibal frog in the terrarium explodes. Avion count, seven. Things are getting out of hand, so the girls tell Miss Philbin what's been happening. Except the murder part. This is serious. Very serious, Miss Philbin said in a low voice. She bit her lip. I'm afraid I'll have to turn you in. This really is a matter for the FBI. This looks like a job for the rarely used zombie crimes division of the FBI, right next to the X-Files. Ms. Philbin is kidding, of course. She thinks the girls made up the story to get out of doing their science project. Instead of doing their science project, or just making Cindy the Frog and the Dog their science project, the girls traipse around the mall. Cindy tries to run them over in the parking lot. And then Don gets a phone call from Cindy telling them that she won't forget what they've done and that she knows where they live, including where Clint lives. Don and Jan rush to Clint's house. Like every house in Shadyside, the door is wide open so protagonists can find bodies, and this situation is no exception. Clint is dead. Back to his ancestral shrubbery he goes. The bad luck just keeps getting worse. Avion count, eight. Golly gee, it's a tough time for Don. Murder is treated like a zit before the senior's sunrise that I didn't go to. My cavalier attitude is appropriate. Avion count, nine. Cindy, on the other hand, is looking more beautiful and confident. Jan and Don try to get Cindy to admit that she killed Clint, but Cindy laughs at them. Then she threatens to tell the police how they ran her over and tried to kill her. After the freakout, Don says, We killed Cindy once. Now we have to kill her again. That's definitely the line in the trailer just before the title at the end of the old 70s song done in a minor key. During the trip to Fear Lake, Don and Jan follow Cindy to a secluded area, conquer on the noggin, and push her into the lake. Now that that's done, the girls can go on, living their lives, knowing they murdered someone. Avion count ten. But no, they can't. Miss Philbin asks where Cindy is while the kids are getting on the bus. Then Cindy just shows up as if nothing happened. She's soaking wet, but she's on the bus and ready to leave. Then the girls see Cindy walking down the street, so they run her over. Tears of joy are cried by all. Avion count 11. But no, Cindy shows up to science class the next day. This girl is harder to kill than Rasputin. Anyway, remember the dog that they brought back to life? 
Well, the owner tells Don and Jan that the dog just exploded after the owner's father teased it. Don and Jan think they have the key to finally killing the girl they've killed three times. The girls invite Cindy over and they ask her about Clint. Cindy killed him because he was only using her to make Don jealous. I don't know what she expected, but fine. Then the girls lay into Cindy. They call her a loser and no one will want to have anything to do with Cindy when they find out that she's the walking dead. Cindy lunges at Don, strangling her until finally Cindy suffers the same fate as the frog and the dog. Her face changed right in front of me, a twisted mask of rage, her skin purple, her eyes bulging from the sockets, her lips peeled back from her teeth, exposing a black and bloated tongue. I screamed, and Cindy's neck snapped. Her head flopped down to one side, her whole body twitched and twitched. Then she collapsed on top of me. It's finally over. Although, not really. Cindy asks for mercy. She asks for more of the formula. She promises to leave the girls alone if they give her more formula. They offer her some water instead. Avion count, 11. Don and Jan take pity on Cindy. They attempt to find the formula in Jan's room, but it's missing. Where is it? Avion count, 12. They return to Cindy, but she's dead. Final Avion count, 13. While the girls were too late, they still haven't heard the last of Cindy. She left them a hastily written note. Dear Jan and Don, I stole the formula when I trashed Jan's room, but I don't want to live anymore. Not like this. The formula turned me into a monster. You turned me into a monster. Don't worry, the formula is safe. I hid it while you were upstairs. I hid it in the best place I could think of. I poured it into your bottle of Avion. See you soon. Love, Cindy. I guess it's time to switch to Dasani. So who is the titular bad girl of this book? Is it Dawn, who goes on tame dates with simple boys instead of her half-shrub boyfriend? Is it Jan, whose personality traits are annoys frogs and drives a car? Could it be Cindy, a source of derision amongst her peers who is humiliated multiple times? Could her treatment lead her to murder and psychotic behavior? No. The bad girl is none of these characters. The true bad girl is Avion. In the worst instance of product placement, the bottle of water is everywhere. She's present for every instance of bad behavior, from innocuous teasing to frog cannibalism and finally to premeditated murder. In the end, she's the source of Don and Jan's eventual doom. If the girls ditched the disposable plastic for tap water and one of those tumblers I see people make on TikTok, maybe they wouldn't be in this mess. Or the title really does just refer to Cindy, who dyes her hair and flirts with boys and that makes her a bad girl. Sure, Cindy murdered someone, but who has it in Shadyside? Like, seriously. Instead of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, everyone plays the six degrees of attempted murder. Either way, dyeing your hair and flirting does not a bad girl make. The murder, though, yeah, I that would be a big no-no. 